Welcome to the Mortcast. Before I get started on today's Mortcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Moisee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the Dairy Block. Uh, coming up in a couple weeks, I'm going to have some gift certificates to give away for virtual wine tastings, so be on the lookout for that. Um, on top of that, go to BFWDenver.com. Berkey Virtual Wine Tasting, um, and you'll be able to do that, and I'll show you how to do that uh, in the next couple weeks. But you can also get a bottle of wine. Get yourself that 2017 Cabernet, which is real nice. Um, but there's others that you can you can get. Uh, you can get Pinot. You can get Syrah. You can get uh, some blends. You can get some, uh, you know, a Western Slope uh, winery um, uh, uh, wines. Like restoration and storm cellars, great stuff. Um, but these are all things that you can get at bfwdenver.com, or you can go to the dairy block. Uh, a lot of people getting vaccinated. Uh, my vaccination is coming up soon. After I get vaccinated and I'm fully immune, you bet I'm going down to the dairy block and I'm going to have myself some Blanchard Family wines, um, my favorite place in Denver. Um, Upcoming, we're going to have a special podcast on Blanchard Family Wines uh, from one of the members of the Blanchard family, and we're going to talk about wines, we're going to talk about what got them to um, being in the wine business. It's, it's going to be a fun podcast, and I, I hope you all look forward to that. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, go to bfwdenver.com, order yourself a delivery. It can do delivery, can do shipment. Or it can do curbside pickup, whatever you want. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, go to bfwdenver.com and uh, get yourself a bottle or book yourself a virtual wine tasting. When you go in or when you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast I sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. All right, folks. Um, Nuggets are 3-0 and since the Aaron Gordon trade. All right, that's great. Uh, I got a couple of bold statements to, to, to get to at the end of this podcast. That'll be in the, the second segment after the DraftKings read. But in this first segment, I want to talk about rotations. Um, and specifically, Faku Kampasso. And... Uh, what to do with him. And in this discussion of Faku Kampasso, I think people are missing the point. And I think, I think there is a, once it, like, like with the Michael Porter Jr. discussion, people are missing the point. And the point is to, with someone who is that good at certain things, you've got to put him in the best position to succeed. Now, Monte Morris is going to be coming back here maybe tonight as of the Orlando game. Maybe. We, we, we think. But we've been wrong before, so maybe it's tonight. Um, so obviously, uh, Monte coming back is going to affect Kafaku's minutes. Or maybe not. Um, I think one of the challenges the Nuggets have been facing is playing Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap together. Um, and if we're really honest with each other, it's Paul Millsap. Millsap has been the thing that they're trying to delicately work around. Millsap being an integral part of the rotation affects everything else. It affects Faku Campasso. It affects 
uh, you know, Jermichael Green. It affects uh, Monty Morris. It affects P.J. Dozier, everyone in that second unit. And let me tell you why. Millsap uh, has to be accommodated. Not in a not in a way that like he's asking to be accommodated, but I'm talking about as far as as his role as a veteran and someone on this team who is uh, uh, that had that much respect as a this is his fourth season in Denver. Uh, obviously, that plays a factor. On the flip side of that, uh, Millsap's skills have diminished greatly, and there has to be. I think there is going to have to be a decision for Michael Malone to focus on that particular aspect. Millsap is great in certain parts, but he is not um, what he used to be. We've, we've talked about this all year. Millsap is not, doesn't have the skill level he used to because he's just got, I mean, when it happens in the NBA, just get, it just happens suddenly. You get, you get older. Um, so, Using that as the lens, you start to see that Millsap coming in, getting his five points and, what, four rebounds, maybe eight points, eight points, nine points, right around there. He's not going to be giving you a ton on the offensive end, but obviously he thrives a little bit more on the bench, playing against bench people. We talked about this a couple months ago. Maybe his role as someone who plays more bench, bench minutes would be probably optimal for him at this point with his skill level. However, this is how it affects everything else. Playing Millsap uh, affects playing JaVale McGee. Now, I'm not saying JaVale McGee is going to be some sort of savior. That's not it. But think about Faku Campasso playing with a guy who rolls. That's all he does is roll. Um, and you think about how much more sense it makes is if Faku Campasso was playing with JaVale McGee. Someone who can roll to the rim and get the lobs. Uh, play the dunker spot and get those things that he I mean, how he used to thrive when George Carl used to have him stand on, not on the, like literally out of bounds <laughs> under the basket. That's where those centers used to stand. Uh, they can't do that anymore, but you get the point. It's the quote dunker spot, which I once again I hate that term. It's 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 just standing in the near corner, right? So think of that. Think I think about how much better uh, Faka Campasso would be, be with Javale McGee in the lineup as opposed to say Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green, who have overlapping skills. One of the hardest things to do as a coach is, is make a decision based on one person. Now, on the flip side of that, maybe uh, Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green make more sense if Monty Morris is the lead point guard and P.J. Dozier is out there. Uh, maybe that makes more sense. Maybe, you know, you, they, they've been playing Jamal Murray with the second unit a lot, which that's something they could also change up to. I mean, that's... You could play the starting unit more together if you have a more consistent uh, starting unit, but staggering minutes, I think, is always optimal for such a top-heavy uh, rotation that the Nuggets have, right? But maybe Monty Morris, uh, you know, coming back will make Paul Millsap open up a little bit and have, have a better time in the second unit. These are the decisions that coach needs to make. 
Uh, and one of the big issues that the Nuggets have had is that they have kind of ended up, and, and this was the same discussion with the beginning of the season with Michael Porter, they kind of like ended up splitting the baby and making the worst out of both worlds. And that's that's not compromise. That's just making the wrong decision. What you have to do is make a decision and stick with it. Now, if it involves benching Faku Campasso, so be it. If it involves limiting greatly Paul Millsap's minutes, so be it. But you have a situation where you have Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap playing together um, with a bench unit that's just it, it, it's struggling, right? And I don't necessarily believe that Monty Morris coming back will cure what ails the Denver Nuggets. In fact, I'm pretty sure it won't. Um, as far as as far as the bench unit goes, the Nuggets are doing great right now. Let's separate that, and I'm going to talk about that in the second half of this podcast. But the bench unit is struggling. It's 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 in Strugglesville, and it is a struggle right now to find something that makes sense. You have pieces that overlap in Millsap and Green. You have a point guard that can't score in Faku. Um, and you have P.J. Dozier, who is basically Will Barton, who plays better defense, right? So uh, then you have Jamal playing with them, and Jamal even Jamal's not able to make that lineup make sense. There's a lot of things that are going on. And... One of the big issues that the Denver Nuggets are having is making that second unit make sense. Now, definitive statement, definitive statement. If I was the coach, I would actually tell Faku Campasso, we're going to bench you for a couple of games to see how this bench unit works. Uh, like get you a couple of DMPs, I should say, to see how this bench unit works with Jermichael and uh, Mon- and. Uh, uh, Paul Millsap with Monty Morris, right? But there's going to come a time where they're going to eventually have to play JaVale McGee. And there's going to come a time when they're going to have to make a decision on what they have to do with Faku Campasso. Um, and, but you got to see, and the Nuggets have got about 30 games to uh, see what happens. A little less than 30 games. Um and we'll see because this once again sometimes splitting the splitting the baby is the worst of all worlds and you want to make a decision that is good and concrete enough to where everyone understands it be it from limiting Faku's minutes or minute, limiting Millsap's minutes those are the two pivot points right there and those are the two big decisions that Michael head coach Michael Malone has left on the Denver Nuggets roster before I continue with the rest of the podcast, I want to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. Uh, if you guys saw Gonzaga versus UCLA last night, holy crap. Holy crap. Now, anyone who bet the uh, bet the points, bet the spread in that game, uh, lost some money. But if you uh, were betting, actually, if you were betting on UCLA, you probably got some money even though they lost. Uh, if you were just going through the points. But, oh, man, what a game. Best tournament game I've seen in a long time. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting uh, new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game. And if your team wins, 
you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that is still in the hunt, and right now there's two, either Baylor or Gonzaga. For your shot at winning $100, all it takes is a $1 bet, and that team winning their next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. That's right, MHS. When you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, folks. i got a couple of bold statements for you. Um, this Denver Nuggets team is a contender. Uh, and getting Aaron Gordon in starting unit has made the, the, the entire team make sense. Um, and I... I Said this on the last podcast, but let me re- reiterate this. Aaron Gordon is better for this team than Jeremy Grant. Uh, not in terms of ambition, because I'm sure Aaron Gordon is very ambitious. Uh, you can tell that by his uh, diss tracks uh, based on the dunk contest. Um, you, you know, it's not as if there's a, a tremendous amount of difference in, in sort of mental approach. Um, it takes a lot of sacrifice to fit into this Denver Nuggets team. Look at Michael Porter Jr. If he, and I said this on several podcasts, that if he went to a, a rebuilding team when he was drafted, uh, he'd be averaging 25, 30 points a game right now because they just let him go. Um, right now, he's on a team that's winning, and hell, even now he's, got, he's right around high teens and for the season, and... Uh, has been, I think, of his last 10 games, he's been over 20 points like eight times. It's pretty good, folks. But this team makes sense now, and a lot of it's because Gordon has come in and had been a stronger presence. Gordon can rebound as opposed to uh, Jeremy Grant, whose fatal flaw is inability to rebound. Um, I equate Jeremy Grant with Carmelo Anthony, a, a guy who had all the ability in the world to rebound and just didn't. <laughs> that's one of the, the biggest complaints I ever had with Carmelo Anthony was that he just, if he wasn't rebounding his own shot, he wasn't interested in rebounding. And for a guy as big as Carmelo Anthony, it's just, it made no sense at all. No sense at all. Aside from that, Aaron Gordon has come in and kind of stitched the whole thing together. All right, It's not the team that it was last year, because Aaron Gordon is different uh, from Jeremy Grant but he's better for the Nuggets. Jeremy Grant may be thriving uh, in, on an offensive sense in Detroit right now because he's able to, to get out there and do that. And the Nuggets will be playing the Detroit Pistons here soon, so we'll be able to get that uh, first glimpse again. Uh, this, I think they're re-doing they're re, uh, the postponed game, so obviously Mason and uh, Jeremy Grant will be playing the Nuggets. But going forward, this Denver Nuggets team... You hate to make proclamations after uh, three games, right? But the way it's made sense, and against some tough teams, is uh, both the Clippers and the, uh, the the Sixers, even without Joel Embiid. Um, 
you can't help but be excited. And I got compliments to uh, Tim Connolly for putting this together and understanding what he needed to do to get out and doing it, to be quite, quite honest with you. Um, and this is the second part of the bold proclamation. The Nuggets, I wouldn't say were afraid in the past to make deals, um, but historically this team has struggled at, at the deadline, with, particularly with taking the next step. I think there was a lot of, and one of the reasons Carmelo Anthony was dissatisfied with this Denver Nuggets team was they tended to not make deals at the deadline, and they tended to be uh, appear gun-shy with uh, making deals. And what happened, and, and what is one of the best signals you can send to a contending team, is that we're not satisfied, we're going for it. And maybe Gordon is not the ultimate we're going for it move, but it certainly signaled to the rest of the team that we are all in. And team, the guys respond to that stuff. They do. They just, they just, I, not every deadline uh, deal works. But psychologically, it's like kind of like this. In 19, this is going to be a really old reference. There's two references. They're, both of them are baseball, actually. In 1995, the, the Colorado Rockies at the deadline went out and got Mets pitcher Brett Saberhagen. Uh, who was over the hill at this by that point? But it was a move that was like, oh god, this team is like it's in its third year in the league, but they're they're really going for it right now, and that was a great signal to though that Rockies team ended up winning the wild card and getting into the playoffs against the Braves in two thousand nine. The Rockies go out and get Jason Giambi, and that really galvanized that team. Uh, even more, and that team was on a roll heading up to that deadline. They get they get Jason Giambi, who basically was cast off, but he he comes out and he just he contributes and make and makes makes an impact. And the team has pointed several times to the fact that that was a great signal to them. You know, one of the few great moves of the Dan O'Dowd era. Okay, the Denver Nuggets. What have they done at the deadline? There's not many trades that the Nuggets have done at the deadline that signaled that they were all in. And this, and this is historically. I'm not talking about the Conley era. I'm talking historically. This has just not happened. And the Nuggets did it. Uh, now they're going to have a problem like with figuring out how to get Porter and Gordon both locked up long term. But I don't think necessarily that's a factor right now. You've got a year and a year and some change of Gordon and you've got uh Porter coming up to his uh rookie early rookie extension here in this next off season. That's for the off season. Now this Nuggets team is poised and ready to make a run. And you can tell. They're just rising up. They're thirty and eighteen. Um and have won seven of their last ten. They have done a tremendous job of riding the ship after they were listing for a long time. And it's good to see. It's good to see how this team has approached this and, and how they have adjusted. And right now, right now they have a chance to make a run. And we'll see if they're able to sustain this. Aaron Gordon has abled, enabled them to really take a step that they weren't necessarily anticipating before. 
because of the way they were struggling to incorporate Michael Porter. By the way, before the deadline, Porter was making sense, right? Let's let's not let's not forget the Nuggets. You know, were oh doing okay prior to the deadline, but this move just has taken it up a notch, and everyone can see it. And you saw it in the way they handled the Clippers, winning wire to wire. That is unbelievable. All right, folks, thank you all for joining me on this Easter Morecast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Talk to you soon. Goodbye.